Amen. What a day that will be. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. A familiar story tonight when Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. Genesis chapter 32. And we're going to look at verses 24 till the end of the chapter. So if you'll make your way to verse 24. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. But Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. As he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Let's pray. (coughs) Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the time of worship that we've had tonight. We pray that you'd be honored, but also that the saints would be reminded that Jesus Christ, in fact, rose from the grave and is coming again. Lord, we shall see him as he is. What a wonderful promise of Scripture. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would now direct our hearts to the Word of God, that you teach us tonight about prevailing prayer from the life of Jacob. Lord, a man who had run so far from his family and from God, and yet God continued to bless him in spite of himself. Until that day he could restore him, that night he wrestled with the angel. So, Father, help us to draw and glean from it tonight. May the Spirit of God bless your word. It is your word. And, Lord, I pray that you would empower it, that you would use it, that you would speak to hearts with it, that the Spirit of God would illuminate it and teach it to us. So, Father, I surrender to you and ask that you'd fill me. Well, thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Jacob was a character that from his very birth was a bit puzzling. God had told Rebekah that the elder would serve the younger. We see a picture of that from the moment they were born. Esau was born first, but Jacob grabbed onto his heel. As if he were to climb his back to try to accomplish something in his life. And that's exactly what Jacob spent his life doing. Later, we would see that when Esau was hungry, he sold his birthright to Jacob for a simple bowl of pottage or a bowl of soup. If Jacob truly loved his brother, he would have fed him. But instead, he took something from him. You know, later on, we see that when Isaac was getting older and he wanted to bless his eldest son, that Rebekah, their mother, went out and helped Jacob deceive Isaac. And again, he supplanted him. And that's what the name Jacob means, a supplanter, one who takes the place of another or steals from another. And Jacob had earned that title well, for he stole the blessing 
of his brother Esau. Well, Esau was livid. As a matter of fact, Rebekah described it as fury. And so like she did when she helped deceive her husband into giving Jacob the blessing, she concocted another plan. And she told Isaac, she says, I'm afraid that our son Jacob will take a wife of the daughters of Heth, the Hittites. So she said, let him go back to our homeland. And she says, there he can find a wife in Padanarama of the daughters of Laban. Laban was Rebekah's brother. And so they did. But despite all the conniving and all the lying, God blessed Jacob anyway. And one example of God's grace, God often blesses us in spite of our sin and our rebellion. Well, off he went. You know what goes around comes around, doesn't it? And Jacob served for seven years in the house of Laban. And that day he was supposed to take Rachel to be his wife. Instead, Leah supplanted Rachel. Took her place. And Jacob was forced to serve another seven years in order to have Rachel. He would have 11 children with those two wives and some handmaidens. Well, finally, Jacob is free from Laban, and he's heading back to Canaan, and he's hoping, he's hoping to reconcile with his family, but he has to face Esau. So he sends a messenger ahead to Esau. He wants to feel him out a little bit, and the messenger returns with this message, we came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, listen, and 400 men with him. That scared Jacob. So he divided his family. He thought perhaps half of them could escape alive if the 400 were to fall on half of his family. And so he divided his family, hoping to save some of them. And Jacob reminds God at this time that he promised he could return and all would be well. And yet he still feared. Well, that night, the Bible says, Jacob's went across the brook of Penuel. And there he was left alone and he began to pray. The Bible says in verse 24 to 32, if we read it, it says he wrestled with this angel and he prevailed with God. And he says, would you bless me? But you might read the passage and say, well, I don't see any overwhelming time of prevailing prayer. It talks about wrestling and it asks for a blessing which could be construed as a prayer. But we so often talk about this passage as being prayer, but where do we see it? The Bible says in Hosea chapter 12 and verse 4, yea... He, Jacob, had power over the angel and prevailed. Listen, he wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. He made supplication. That night he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. It was a time of deep contrition and prayer as he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. You know, Jacob was afraid. And his fear was a result of a life that was spent in trying to prevail. Always trying to win, climbing and stepping over the backs of others in order to get ahead. And God humbled him by supplanting Rachel with Leah. You know, when your life is spent deceiving others, you'll always be watching your back. Because what goes around comes around, and now it had come back to visit him. But now he was alone, and Jacob decided, I better get right with God. And so he prayed. And notice what it says in verse 24, and we'll get into the text now. 
I want you to just notice simply tonight the prayer. Notice his prayer. Verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and the rest of the man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And so verse 25, when he saw, that is the angel of the Lord saw, that he prevailed not against him, he, the angel of the Lord, touched the hollow of his thigh. He could not prevail against Jacob. In other words, Jacob was persistent in his prayer. He wouldn't let go. He said unto him, the Bible says in verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He was persistent in his prayer. All night he wrestled. There was something in his nature that he always wanted to win. He always wanted to come out on top. I think I'm kind of like that a little bit. I always like to win, don't I, hon? And uh, my wife says that I, I push a little too hard sometimes. We'll be playing a game and I want to win. And my daughter, she'll, Bethany, she'll say, why, why, why are you pushing? Because I, I, it's no secret. I want to win. I was playing against your grandson, Timmy. And he says, I never get to win. I said, that's right. You never get to win, buddy. I'm going to win. And even if it's a five-year-old, I want to win. And it's just a, a competitive spirit. And, 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 you know, when we come to the Lord for, in prayer, we ought to be persistent like that. We ought to say, I'm just going to hold on until God blesses me. I'm gonna, somebody said this. Use the word Push. Pray until something happens. Keep being persistent in our prayer. All night he wrestled. The Bible says in the book Hosea, Hosea uses the word supplication. It means a groaning of the spirit, a brokenheartedness. And no doubt in this case it was generated by his own past and failures. The victory that he sought on this night was restoration with his brother. Consider the threat that was facing him. 400 men were marching in his direction. 400 men that he thought would fall upon him and kill his family. And so he prayed a persistent prayer and begged and pleaded with God. Listen, that's when we really learn to pray is when our lives are threatened and when the loved ones are threatened. That's when we learn how to pray. I'll tell you this, you'll never pray like you do until you get inside the bedside of a loved one. That's when we learn how to pray. Jacob's family was being threatened, so he was persistent in his prayer. But we also notice it was a prevailing prayer. He had victory in it. Verse 25 says, And when he saw that he prevailed not, the angel noticed himself, the angel of the Lord, God. Notice, I am not prevailing against him. Now understand this, God is almighty, all-powerful. And just with a touch, he put his thigh out of joint. God could easily have the victory. But God put up enough resistance, just enough resistance, to cause Jacob to fight for it. To plead with God, to, to beg God, to supplicate, to have a broken heart and weep before God, to have a persistent prayer. But we see it was also a prevailing prayer. The Bible says in verse 28, and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou hast power with God, and with men thou hast prevailed. Listen, the, the angel did not prevail. Verse 28, he calls Jacob Israel, for he had prevailed. That word prevailed does not mean necessarily he had victory. It means that he had enduring strength. That's what the word prevailed means. To be able to endure, to be able to finish. I don't, I don't know about you, uh, Brother Gerald and Brother Tony. I, I would guess if the three of us got together after church and said, you know what, let's, let's just next Saturday get together, the three of us, and let's go run a marathon. 
Would you expect any one of us would win? You're thinking about it. Would you, do you think you could win a marathon? Not ever, let me tell you, brother. Do you think you could win a marathon? No, I, I could never win a marathon. If we finish the marathon, would that be victory enough? That's what prevailed means. We don't necessarily come out on top. Jacob didn't come out on top in this fight. He walked away with a limp. But he did prevail in the sense that he finished the night. He was persistent to the end. He prayed until he knew that God had heard. And he said, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. And God says, I will bless thee. He was tired. He was weak. He was worn. He was pained in the thigh when it was out of joint. But his spiritual strength increased as he continued to hold on. That's a wonderful truth when it comes to prayer. The longer we pray, the stronger we become spiritually. Because we're exercising those spiritual muscles. We must not lose our strength spiritually. As we get older, we get more worn down physically. But some of the strongest people I've ever met are those that know how to pray. I remember our friend Pat Patterson. What a dear, sweet fellow. He had Alzheimer's so bad, he was just ravished. He could quote large portions of the Bible. He couldn't remember his wife's name, but he could quote large portions of the Bible. Somebody looked at him. I remember being down at his bed just before he died. And his wife, Madeline, says, he looks so weak. And I said, Brother Pat is one of the strongest men I know laying here in that bed just like that. Because he was a spiritual giant. He knew how to pray. He knew how to win souls to Christ. He'd take his accordion, this is a long time ago, he'd take his accordion out in the streets of Toronto and play until the crowd came around, and then he'd say, I don't want any money in my hat. I want you to listen to me for five minutes, and he preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He did that for Oswald J. Smith for years and years and years, preaching the gospel, winning souls to Christ. What a testimony. That's true strength. Not that we can run a marathon, thank God for that. Not that we, that we have physical ability to lift and to, to, to build things or what have you. That we can get along with God and have prevailing, persistent prayer. But notice his plea. Notice his plea. It was a plea for God's blessing. For his entire life, Jacob had thought he could get ahead on the backs of others. He thought he could do it on his own. He said, let me go for the day break. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. For the first time in my life, I need the strength of the Lord. I need something from God. I can't take it from Esau. I can't get it from Laban. I can't, uh, I, I, you remember the story of the ring-straked flocks? How he multiplied it. He says, I can't cleverly take a flock and multiply it among the stakes. And I, I can't increase my goods physically anymore. For now, right now, in this moment, I'm at my end. And the only thing I want is from God. And so he pled with God for his blessing. When was the last time you just realized everything you have, everything you've held in your hands, can slip right through like grains of sand? can be gone in a moment. Years ago, my wife and I, we went down to Texas, and we had a student that was at Pensacola Christian College. So we visited with her family for a week or so, and then we cut across the Gulf of Mexico and through Mississippi and Louisiana and 
over to Alabama and finally we got into the northern tip of Florida and we drove over there in about a day I guess and we spent a couple days with this student we had from our church and and uh, spent some time with her but when we were there uh, she said let's go out to something island I don't remember what it was called but you could actually you could drive there you went over a little bridge and there was just a strip of land uh, I don't know if it was really a proper island but whatever they called it and we drove up and down there and she showed us where the hurricane had just gone through. Do you remember that? Katrina. And trees were down still. And sand, you wouldn't believe how the sand would be piled 30 feet high in piles, wouldn't it? It was just the way the wind took it and piled, just like a snow uh, bank here after a good blizzard. And, And the sand was piled and houses were destroyed and people were trying to rebuild their lives. It was, it was, it was amazing. I'm just here to tell you everything that you've built for yourself can be gone in a moment. And it is then and only then that you'll say, God, I need your blessing alone. What I need is you. He says, God, would you please bless me? God humbled him and brought him to a point where he can only plead with God. Now he's facing the death of his entire family. What what else does he need? He needs God. He's looking at the loss of everything he owns. What's he need? He needs God. He's looking at certain death at the hand of his very brother. And he says, God, I need you. Bless me. So it's a plea for God's blessing, but it was also a plea for God's mercy. It was fear of his brother that had brought him to this place. He says, God, deliver me. God, bless me. God, I need you. Have you ever just prayed like that? Begged God, pleaded with him. I know there's been times in our lives where we've had to get with God. And I know there's been times in your life you've had to get with God. When all else will fail. I, you know, I, I, I don't mean to center anybody else, but I, I've, I've heard the testimony. Brother Judge has shared with me when Tanner was born. And how heart-wrenching that was and how many times he coded and they had to call him in. I remember my wife and I, and a matter of fact, I think it was Judy, a friend of Judy's that said somebody in Hamilton that had a baby that was born. You remember that? And the baby was just 20 weeks or something, or 21 weeks, 22 weeks, somewhere around there, and very tiny. And we raced to the hospital, and we got there, and we met the family, and the baby had just died. We got there just a little too late. Not that we could have helped. But it's times like that we really learn how to plead with God and beg God and say, God, the, all this other stuff doesn't matter right now. I remember when Dad was laying in the hospital, and we came down here, and our church family uh, rallied behind us and was a blessing to us. And we had, of course, he died, and we had the funeral that week and everything. And the church family did so much for us. And one of the things they did is they took an offering for us just to help us because we had to grab meals while we were down here and different things, you know, and traveling back and forth, getting our kids taken care of. And they gave us a little bit of money. And I remember on Sunday getting up and thanking everybody for everything he did, and I forgot the gift, the money. They had done so much other for us. I mean, meals and taking care of our home for us and just so many little things. And, and we were so thankful. And I, and I got up that night and I said, listen, I, I thank you for everything except for that offering you gave us. And I am sorry about that. I, we really did appreciate it. But I said, it did remind me of this, that money is so not important at times like these. Everything else you did was so much more important to us because I came from the heart. You know, a lot of times we need to realize that a lot of the things we have are not important. What we need is the blessing of God. But it comes from 
being prevalent in our prayers and being persistent in our prayers and learning how to prevail with God. So we've seen the prayer and we've seen the plea, but I want you to notice some principles now. Number one, it's this. The principle of prevailing strength. Look at verse 27. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Understand what God is saying to this young man. He's not saying you've won a great victory tonight. He's, wanting you've, he's saying you've been persistent in your prayer tonight. You've hung on. You've wrestled with God and you've prevailed. You've endured to the end. You, you can't say that he won the fight. He walked away with a limp. God walked away in full, complete strength. God didn't have even a scratch or a bruise. And yet Jacob was hurting. But notice what he says. You've prevailed. You've endured. You've been persistent in your prayer. You've been pleading with me all night long. I believe your heart is broken. Hosea says he was in deep supplication. He says, I believe with tears and weeping you've made your requests made known unto God. But notice what he says. He says, no longer shall you be called Jacob, which means supplanter or one who gets ahead on the backs of others. But instead you'll be called Israel, which means God prevails. Another way to put it is in God there is strength. In God there is strength. Jacob learned an important lesson that night. There's, there's just some battles I can't win. There's some victories that are out there that can only be won if I go to God in deep and persistent and prevailing prayer. That if I tear, uh, just pour my heart out to God and allow God to fight the battles and God says, wonderful, you finally learned the lesson. You're finally humble enough to see that Jacob can't win anything. The supplanter, the deceiver, the liar, the one who beats down everybody else to get ahead. Instead, you've had to learn tonight that God prevails and that in God there is strength. You finally learned how to rely upon me in his own strength. Jacob would have found a way to mess it up, I have no doubt. He'd come back to meet with Esau. How many of you feel like that sometimes? How many of you feel like that? I just know that if I go into this situation, I'm going to mess it up. Boy, we have to learn how to pray and rely on God. And there are times I know that we've had to rely on God in our lives, my wife and I. They say, Lord, don't let us mess this up again. Stop us from doing this in our own strength. The battle is yours. Let us rely upon you. If we notice in verse 33 that prayer subdued Esau's fury. Verse 33, chapter 33 says, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men, and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and on the two handmaids, and he put the handmaids and their children foremost. I guess they weren't as important. And Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost, he hid his favorites at the back. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. What happened since the last time Jacob and Esau had parted? What letters had been exchanged and what caused Esau's fury to subside? 
Nothing but prayer. If you read the scriptures, nothing else happened. There was no letters exchanged. There was nobody that was trying to talk some sense into Esau or to Jacob. It was just simply Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord and praying and God preparing the heart of Esau that did all the work. God will prevail. We also see the prayer changed Jacob's attitude. The Bible says in verse 5 of chapter 33, and he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, who are those with thee? And he said, the children which God hath graciously given. Look at those next two words. Thy servant. Didn't God tell Rebecca that the elder would serve the younger? But now Jacob says, no, no, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want, Esau. What a change in attitude from a young man that tried to push his brother down at every chance and get ahead. But now he says, I'm your servant. You see, that's what God will do. That's the principle of prevailing strength. That's what Israel means to to prevail with God, to have the strength of God. And when we pray, God, God, you say, well, that doesn't sound very strong what Jacob's doing. It's incredibly strong because God is changing hearts and God is mending a family and God is using it for good. The principle of prevailing strength. Here's the second principle. The principle of persistent reminders. The principle of persistent reminders. How many of you would say that this would be a lesson that Jacob should never forget? I don't know how old he is. But I'm assuming he was at least an adult when he left home. How old was he? 20, 21, 25? I don't know. He was, he was of an age anyway, a mature age. And he went away and he served seven years for each wife. And he served a few more years after that, the Bible says. So now he's probably 40 years old. 40 years old or so. And it has taken him 40 years to learn this lesson. It would be wise for him to remember it. And so what does God do? Gave him and all of Israel a reminder. He caused them to limp. He pushed his thigh out of joint, and the Bible says the sinew shrank there so that he would always limp the rest of his life. And the people of Israel, whenever they took an animal and they killed it, they would not eat that part of the animal as a reminder that we cannot win these battles on our own. Let me say this, sometimes God has to humble us. God has to remind us of his mercy. God has to tell us and remind us once again that he's in control, that he can win every battle. What did God that we'd learn those lessons without these signs, but every once in a while I've learned I've got to walk with a limp too. There's sometimes we have to take a look in. Sometimes we have to bear a little bit of a thorn in our side to be reminded of what God has brought us through so that we never want to go back. Jacob had that reminder. You know, maybe if you were to think tonight, I'm sure all of us can be reminded of a time where God taught us an important lesson. And he taught us that lesson through a time of deep tragedy or turmoil time where our hearts ached the pain felt like it would overwhelm us let me say to you tonight to that that's your limp 
That's your limp. He said, but I've asked God to take that pain away. I've asked God to remove that. So did Paul three times. And then he finally learned that God had left that thorn in his side for a reason that he might learn that God's grace is sufficient. Sometimes we have a thorn to learn that God's grace is sufficient. So when God humbles you, have the right response. Let me say this. Somebody said to me years ago that something that had happened in the church, that their their family was humiliated by it. And I never said it to them because it would just make them angry. But I went home and I prayed about it and I thought about it and I thought, you know what? As a child of God, we should be always humbled, not humiliated. Humiliation is a result of having a fleshly attitude, a carnal attitude. Being humbled is having a spiritual attitude. Jacob could have been humiliated. Coming back with his family and 400 are about to wipe them out. Esau flexing his muscles and showing his strength and showing what he had amassed over these 20 years they've been apart. Jacob could have been humiliated, but instead he was humbled. God humbled him that night as he prayed and was reminded for the rest of his life, and he says, God has graciously given all these to thy servant. I'm just here to serve you, Esau. What a change has taken place. Why? Because he met with God. He himself says, I have seen God and lived. Listen, I'm telling you this. If you have even an ounce of pride in your life, and I, I know we all do from time to time. You spend some time with the Lord, he'll humble you. He'll bring us low. But it's when we're brought low that he can work in our lives. And he can be made strong. And he can show his mighty power. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we love you and we thank you for the lessons we can learn from Scripture. Lord, help us to have the right heart attitude. Help us to be spiritually minded so that when these trials come, we're not humiliated, but we're humbled. So that God can work in and through us and change us and make us more to be Christ-like. Thank you for Jacob, who became Israel, learning that all of our strength comes from the Lord. Father, help us to take these lessons with us. Father, sometimes we have to limp a little bit. Perhaps we could learn some of these lessons without limping so much if we would just listen and just read our word and just take the lessons that God gives us day by day. Help us to be sensitive and to hear and to know And Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God will work in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.